Welcome to Investing Insights, partnered by Right Property Group. This is your host, Phil Tarrant. G'day everyone, it's Phil Tarrant here from Smart Property Investment. Thanks for tuning in. I'd like to welcome you back to our key education series, uh, Investing Insights, uh, which we do with uh, one of our key partners, Right Property Group. Got the boys in the studio again today, uh, Victor Kumar and Steve Waters. How are you going, guys? Good, good, good mate. Phil. How are you? Really good. Um, this is now the sixth, fifth one yeah. that we've done of this. So mm. been flying for five them. months. Yeah. Wow. They're quite popular as well, which is good. Been awesome. Yeah. Really good. If this is uh, the first time you've tuned in, um, thanks for joining us. Uh, so I guess the, um, what we're trying to achieve with this is very different from the Smart Property Investment Show, which uh, where we chat to investors and get their stories. Um, our uh, Investing Insights podcast is very much geared towards looking at some really deep issues surrounding property investments. So uh, the Smart Property Investment Show doesn't really allow us to uh, deal with some pretty uh, full-on issues um, that we need to give a lot of time and attention to. So uh, we hope to cover off over the next half an hour a very key uh, topic, which comes to uh, investing in property. Previous one we've done, the previous ones we've done have been pretty good and uh, really interesting. You probably see them if you're listening to this uh, on iTunes. You'll see a list of them underneath it, or on our website, um, all the other topics. But I'll run through them really quickly. Topic one, the first one we did was eleven things successful property investors don't do, which was uh, very really interesting. Topic two was debunking the most popular property myths. Topic three was mindset, goal setting, that sort of stuff. Topic four, our most recent one, was uh, investing in units versus houses. So should you choose one over the other? Uh, today, we're going to tackle a big issue, uh, one which um, any property investor who's been in this game for quite some time will be talking about. Uh, and if you're new to property investing, this is something you should be thinking about now rather than in the future. And it's all about building a balanced portfolio. A balanced portfolio is going to mean very different things to different people, uh, depending on property investment journey, how far through you are in it, the assets that you might have in your portfolio now, what your goals are. But let's just tackle off a really easy question straight off the bat, Victor, to you. What's a what does it mean? What's a balanced portfolio? Thanks, Phil. Um, well, if you look at an investor and if they're starting a portfolio, often they get skewed down one area or one method of investing without adjusting for market, without adjusting for their increasing or decreasing negative cash flow as they are building the portfolio and uh, accommodating for life events. So uh, there are quite a few things we need to look at when we're building a property portfolio, um, such as you know, where the properties are located. So you're spreading them out um, uh, nationally or even internationally, looking at spreading the lending out, um, spreading the risk um, uh, in terms of the types of properties you buy and so forth. So there's there's a lot of things that need to be taken into account um, as you as you continually build uh, on, on the portfolio. So when most people who have any experience or education in investing, when they hear the term balanced portfolio, what will normally spring to mind is a balance in asset classes. So people will be going, well, uh, if I'm looking to create wealth uh, for retirement, say for example, a balanced portfolio would be to have some property, have some shares, some fixed income, some savings, maybe some fancy bottle of wine, which I'm sure Steve's got in his uh, <laughs> yeah, balanced portfolio. You got him before I could. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, so that's how most people would conceptualise a balanced portfolio about asset classes. But what we're talking about, I guess it's similar in some ways in that you have a balance of the type of assets you have in a property portfolio. Pretty much so. So if you, if you brought it back to, say, shares as an example, you would be investing in different companies, 
shares of different companies. And it's the same with property as well. You're investing in different areas. So you look at it as different businesses. Uh, so as an example, those that have invested recently in uh, New South Wales, particularly in Sydney, they are investing more so for the equity because the yields are no longer there. So they need to then further diversify, in other words, balance their portfolio by getting some yield to help support their equity gains. And that may be in other states uh, where the yields are significantly higher and the entry prices may not be as high. For someone new to property investing, um, Steve, when should you start thinking about building a balanced portfolio? Before you do anything, really, it should be the first step. And, And quite often we see people that they want to attack the the whole balancing act somewhere toward the end of the portfolio or halfway through. As an afterthought. Yeah, when they're in trouble. They think, well, Mm. we probably should have done this a little differently. To me, balancing a portfolio, it's really covering my risk. That's that's how I think about it. And as you know, I'm quite conservative and I don't go into anything looking for the negatives, but I just want to know that I can sleep at night and that if I... If I have everything right, and that's in terms of equity, as Vic mentioned, and also cash flow, then my worst possible scenario is covered. Well, it should be. Too many people don't do that, unfortunately. And you just mentioned, Vic just mentioned about cash flow, like people are coming into New South Wales, or they're still investing in New South Wales, Sydney in particular, more about growth and Mm. and, and instant equity and not cash flow. And I was having a conversation the other night with someone who was saying, well, we want to invest in Melbourne for cash flow. And I said to him, look, well, Melbourne's perhaps not the place to go for cash flow. And we had a, a very in-depth conversation all around about cash flow, which is part of the balancing act. And everybody, and my point is everybody who talks about cash flow can't really define what cash flow is, what what is their version of cash That's flow. That's right. So it's different you, for everyone. Well, it, it is. Yeah. And if if you go south of, of the border and, and perhaps they might get, say, a 45 or a 5% yield, for them, that's awesome. That's cash flow. But for, for us, a 5% yield means, well, that's not really cash flow. It has to have something else attached to it, whether it's going to be instant growth, instant equity, or something that's got a twist to it. So everyone's everyone's um, interpretation of cash flow is different. I guess you've got to set the benchmark. So if your benchmark was 4% as a good Correct. yield, yeah. then anything above that is fantastic. Whereas if you look at um, investing in Sydney uh, in the last, say, five years, we started off with good cash flow and now we're getting into good equity because yeah. as, as usual, growth actually follows yield. So we had fantastic yields in Sydney and now we've had the phenomenal growth with the infrastructure changes and so forth. Of course, the lower interest rates have helped. Uh, and now for those that have invested heavily in Sydney, perhaps a balancing act could be that backing on the equity that they've gained, they may now want to invest in another state to to cat on the um, on the upside of uh, that state because um, they have had significant gains here and and have a higher cash flow there to offset a uh, heavier equity uh, in in New South Wales. So balancing means a whole bunch of different things. Pretty much, Perhaps, so, yes. yeah, yeah, it does. Yeah, yeah. So new to investing, or even this is something I think about was you got to balance the books, right? So. From a cash flow perspective, you're going to have individual properties are going to have a different cash flow outcome or implication of your portfolio. Yeah. Uh, but then when you start having multiple properties, two, three, four, five, ten, fifty, a balanced portfolio might mean that you have different assets within a portfolio, but you could be looking at least towards a neutrally balanced or geared portfolio or positively in a, yeah, geared. Yeah, in a, in a perfect world. Mm. Um, but as we see prices increasing, yeah, that yield is diminishing no matter you know, where you are. And it's not because the rents are going back unless you're in WA, but it's more about the prices going forward. But it's 
it's not just about the cash flow i believe the whole balancing act so to speak it's about where your properties are located for anything from entity to land tax thresholds lenders lenders especially um, so it, it's a it's a whole myriad of things that you should be looking to balance your portfolio. Well, let, let's look at those. So from a risk perspective, let's yeah. look at balance. Uh, so you've got lenders, so you can balance out your lenders. So mm-hmm. you're not overly geared towards any particular lender and therefore yeah. you're minimising your risk profile should one make changes in terms of interest rates and the other ones don't. You're not overexposed if all your eggs in one basket. So balance yep, out true. your lenders. Balancing out the type of properties that you have. So houses, units, we spoke about it last time mm-hmm. around. Yep. Victor, you could probably chat on this. Houses perform differently to units and the other way around um, from a cash flow and also capital growth Yeah, absolutely. So so uh, usually it's the units that, that uh, have the higher yield uh, and um, they do come with their own expenses such as your strata fees and so forth, but they're usually uh, located very close to infrastructure, whereas uh, houses may have a higher negative cash flow but you've got so many other things you could do to it such as you know subdividing the block and so forth Uh, so it it brings in its own uh, pros and cons and if you have a portfolio that's that's just units nothing wrong with it uh, so long as you diversify the area or if you've got just houses again nothing wrong with it but uh, with my portfolio and and with yours as well steve and and for a lot of our clients uh, it's balanced uh, in in the sense that by the time your portfolio is mature you have a blend of houses, townhouses, units, and small development sites. By small development sites, I mean you know your simple subdivisions, your granny flats, and and, and those sort of things. Uh, so that down the track, you can then look at methods of retiring the debt, which is uh, probably one of the things we'll talk in the in the um, uh, upcoming podcasts, and and that helps you retire the debt really quickly. And also, if you're looking at it from from diversification into different states, so let's say that you you um, uh, had a necessity to sell down your portfolio, part of your portfolio, whether it is to fund a acquisition, uh, a lifetime acquisition, or whether it is um, you know for lifestyle reasons. If you have all of your properties in the one state, so let's say someone's got all of their properties in say Western Australia right now, it would be a lot harder to sell down and realize uh, a significant gains in there uh, as opposed to having it spread out. So we'd leave our Western Australia portfolio alone and we may sell down our Sydney portfolio, um, which just gives you the choices to to change. At the end of the day, I think that's what balancing is about. It's about Mm. choice options. Good point. Yeah. Yeah. So we spoke about lenders. We spoke about housing units. You balance that out. Spoken very quickly about locations. What do you think about balancing out in terms of metro, regional, uh, or rural stuff. Did you? Steve, yeah. What's your thoughts, I, mate? You, I know you're a country boy, and uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, and, I, and I've got properties in in regional areas, and I think there's a time and a place for them. Usually, when cash flow is nobody nowhere else, I'm a bigger fan of metro areas because that's where the world yeah. lives, yeah. and uh, the liquidity is and the liquidity is there. there. But know. having said that, yeah, there are some regional areas which do tick a lot of the boxes, but they've got to have their own infrastructure. They've got to have several parts to the economy that can't be reliant upon say the one thing such as mining or agriculture as an example and that they can produce well for you so a really good example of that is central new south wales about five to seven years ago somewhere around that period we targeted the dubbo region because it's a it's probably the major inland city the biggest there is and what that was giving to us had the potential cash flow so at the time, I think it was 8% buy-in yields, which was pretty good. We went to the right areas. 
and the growth potential was there purely because of more infrastructure. Um, I think it was the Evo cities yep, that was going right, on yes. back back then, and we bought a lot very very quickly. And what in probably seven years they've doubled. Now I'm not saying that's the norm. I mean, I'd like to say it's because we bought them well, uh, and the cash flow as a representative back then is somewhere around about 10 percent now. Okay. Yeah. So there's a time and a place. That's for it. right. So if if we took that example, so the uh, it does have a very specific um, uh, place in the portfolio. So something like that you would use to help underpin a more negative cash flow property. So uh, what what I call pigeon pairing uh, a a property. So let's say you had a property um, in um, say Sydney, uh, where it's costing you say $150 a week in negative cash flow before tax. Uh, and you've got the other property in double that's say bringing you in $50 positive cash flow in the worst case scenario before tax. Uh, all of a sudden your your holding cost has dropped from 150 to $100, which is a lot more palatable uh, than you know $150, especially when there's a absolute sure chance that interest rates will rise in the future. Uh, so you, you, you're, you're using two different types of assets to uh, to underpin each other. So one's giving you the yield, the other one's giving you the growth. And that's probably the, the main thing that people think about when we talk about balancing a portfolio. It's all about the cash flow, which is, you know, is second most important to oxygen mm. because it's what's survivability, isn't it? Yeah. And it not just helps from the, the, the money in, money out of your pocket, but also from a serviceability point of mm. view too, if you want to keep perpetuating the portfolio Mm. but all of that aside and and coming back to the regional areas question it is really and i I know i just touched on it but it's really about timing you know there are certain times no matter how big the the regional center is i don't think people should go there but as a disclaimer everyone's situation is different but it's just so important to get the timing right another area of balance and, and you you touched on this very briefly victor was um the i guess the opportunities that you have within your portfolio so you can have a a property that you never touch, you just buy it, it's good yield, good good prospects of capital growth, never seen it, sits there, does what it does. Then you have stuff that you might be able to manufacture some equity in, small renovations, cosmetic renovation, maybe something a little bit more significant, or something that you can potentially uh, do a small development on, so knock it down, mm-hmm. duplex, granny flat, etc. So you can balance your portfolio by having different opportunities and different assets within it that can give you leverage to to grow and evolve and, and, and absolutely so, yeah. so can you sort of comment on that very quickly if i look at my own portfolio so i started out buying a unit as a as an investment first investment and and that was two reasons one uh, i didn't know any better uh, and that was i was pointed in that direction and i had limited capital uh, and it worked out really well for me and if i would start all over again i'd do absolutely the same thing right so that that's that's been the the cornerstone uh, and then i've gone on to buy houses and then um, um, small development sites where i could do a subdivision or granny flat so if i were to then uh, look at uh, opportunity and as experience uh, grows, I would then go back and do the subdivisions, put in the granny flats, and and um, um, in in a high interest rate climate, I would actually bring forward those secondary dwellings to help me hold on to the property. So it it comes back to staging it, uh, whether it's in the sta- in the different states or whether it is in the different asset classes, and uh, also having a, a progression plan to say that, okay, I'm, I'm going to uh, hold this asset 
and I might come back and develop on this and and um, therefore further balance out whether it is my equity position or my cash flow position uh, or whether it is uh, something that I'm going to renovate and um, uh, you know sell down for lifestyle reasons to fund my lifestyle or it is just to just to um, you know increase the equity base in my portfolio obviously we're, we're speaking very general around mm-hmm. a balanced portfolio here so you know by way of disclaimer um, you know everyone's circumstances are different so you should be speaking with uh, the appropriate professional to give you guidance and support and advice um, but sort of that aside and, and the reason why I say that is because I want to have a quick chat about uh, sort of entity structure Steve mm-hmm. you know we spoke about balancing lenders balancing areas balancing the type of assets balancing opportunities so do you have a balance also in the way in which you hold these properties so whether I'm investing in a trust or some sort of co-ownership or individual yeah look when I first started my accountant at the time said well he stopped me because I wanted to all I'd read about was you know I've got to invest in a trust you know I need the protection um, better tax advantages and, and what have you and he gave me some pretty good advice that was suitable for my situation at the time and it was quite simply exploit yourself first. And there's a couple of reasons for that. One, back then, and, and, and it still rings true today, uh, is about serviceability or, or getting finance. Uh, getting finance for yourself is much easier in most cases than doing it in a company format or getting it in a trust structure or, or whatever it may be. And there was also obvious benefits for me from a land tax point of view. And furthermore from that, he said, do it individually, so not you know, with your wife on title as an example now sometimes even in today's environment you need to be both earners on the loan um, but having one on title can be more beneficial so from a balancing point of view it it gives you a couple of advantages now once again everybody's scenario is different but entity helps you in terms of what you invest in and in which entity whether that be once again personal trust or company gives you more diversification, gives you more risk mitigation, and it gives you options mm. once again. But the best people to speak to that is not just your accountant and it's not just your financier. Um, we always urge people that if you are going to start investing in structures other than yourself, that you actually get your accountant and your broker in the room together because often what the broker wants to get the loan across the line perhaps the accountant doesn't and vice versa so get them both Mm. around the table and what i found in terms of in building a balanced portfolio and and the way i've approached it i think we probably made the mindset choice early on that we're going to grow a large portfolio over time and therefore we need to get this right but but often your structure is going to be influenced by the type of diversification or balance that you have and 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 i say that by you know, and your profession if, if, yeah and, and your profession you know if, if, if you work in a if you're self-employed and you work in a quite a litigious type of position or role yeah. like the media uh, <laughs> you know you, you need to protect your assets differently and that's going to change the way in which you might want to build a portfolio but that's it also you know the, the land tax perspective um, uh, you know you can invest for example in, in trust structures up in Queensland and get a threshold on land tax whereas yeah. if you're buying in South Wales in a trust structure you get no threshold, so that might influence the balance that you have in terms of how that's, you choose. To hold that's, a, that's a mistake we see, and I'll call it a mistake in inverted commas. That often people, when they're first starting without the, the proper advice, they will create this trust because you know perhaps the accountants led them down that path, mm. and they just don't realise, especially if they're investing in New South Wales, that they're going to be up for land tax. And, and that, that's probably because the accountant's coming from a tax perspective and, and an asset protection uh, perspective. Or revenue. Well, yeah, <laughs> that's true. <laughs> yeah, and and they, they may not take into account the entire picture. 
in terms of what's the impact in terms of land tax what's the impact in terms of lending itself because not all lenders uh, are comfortable lending to uh, entities such as uh, family trusts and so mm. forth so therefore you've you've reduced the number of lenders that that you can approach uh, and uh, also it starts becoming a bit cumbersome uh, in terms of compliance in terms of you know getting the uh, lenders to understand how the income flows uh, in your portfolio and so forth so the idea is to keep it really simple and once you have as steve said um once you've maxed out your own personal threshold uh, and and your personal lending uh, then perhaps look at structures of course uh, we're still uh, talking still very general uh, if it's specific uh, in your needs in terms of having a trust structure put in place then you should we're talking about what balance means in a portfolio and um, I think we've given a pretty good run just generally about the areas where you can get balance you know there's there's also balance in potentially the people that you use to help you grow your portfolio yep, you know? true. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. you might want to do some stuff yourself you might want to use a buyer's agent you might have you know a, an accountant a financial planner so you know th- there's another element to that but I want to dig down too far into it but I guess my my sort of question we're gonna to have to wrap up pretty quickly um, maybe for you Vic is um how do you know if you've achieved balance? How do you know if you're sort of on the right path? It's like a, and it's like a, it's like a tantric sort of, you know, like, a, you know, like a, I've got balance, you know, or balance in the force, or you know, how, how do you know you got I was, it? I was waiting for the music to come on. Yeah, I know. <laughs> oh, no, Vic, you're out there. You're on your yoga mat with your, uh, your, your legs crossed in a lotus position. <laughs> Oh man! How do There's I, how a cover do I, for your new CD. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Well, maybe balance is that you yeah. sleep well at night. That's you're right. Worried, right. Look, you know? look, yeah, yeah, that's yeah, exactly yeah, what yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah. 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 Look, sorry, Vic, I'm answering your question for you. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry, no, yeah. let let me do the yoga stuff on it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and 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 taking off that vein, Steve, one of the first things you you look at is that you know one act of balance is actually stop buying. There's a lot of investors out there that continually look at buying and buying and buying. You need to allow the the property to mature itself uh, for it to consolidate, and and that may be that one of the balancing acts is that you actually stop buying so that you're not you're not uh, constantly draining the equity out of your portfolio, uh, and you're looking at the portfolio itself to be able to look after itself. Because the more properties you have, you've got to remember it also has got a lot of admin work attached to it. So the balance doesn't just mean the number of properties and where it's bought and all that but also what impact it has on your lifestyle as well yeah and that that's that's my deep yoga message i completely agree with that and um you know for me investing in property is about balance my balance is that i, I don't want to be doing open houses every single saturday i don't want to be dealing with lenders i you know balance my life out i, I want yeah. someone else to sort that stuff out for me and i think it's a it's a component of, of investing a lot of people forget because it can be stressful can be emotionally taxing can put pressure on relationships you know financially or or, or otherwise um so you've got work-life balance right they should have a uh, investor life balance like yeah, property anonymous, yeah, yeah, anonymous yeah, you know. or something like that yeah, <laughs> yeah. as a, i suppose one of the last points is that the balance isn't this thing that you you set up in the beginning and then just forget about it it's constant so Always it's fine-tuning review- it all the yeah, way. Yeah, it's reviewing your portfolio and your position constantly monthly because that will give you some clear direction if you're looking at the numbers on what sort of property, where it should be, when and how as your next step, not just to throw it at the dartboard scenario or just buy, buy, buy. We've got sort of quite spiritual towards the back end of it. It's about as deep as I get. <laughs> it is. <laughs> get a couple of uh, forex golds in here, you'll probably open up a little bit more. <laughs> but, True um, story. Uh, <laughs> 
That's good. I've um, just having a chat about this organically. You know, it's got me thinking about. You know, balance is not about the numbers. You know, balance is about sort of in many ways your, your own sort of health when it comes to thinking about property. So um, it's good. Want to hug it out? Yeah, <laughs> maybe. <laughs> it's good. All right, uh, we've run out of time. Um, yeah, enjoyed the enjoy the chat, guys. Um, remember to um, drop us a line if you've got any questions that you would like us to cover uh, on the Investing Insights podcast uh, with Smart Property Investment. Uh, you can email questions at rightpropertygroup.com.au and I think they come over to you, Victor, That's don't right, they? Yes. So, so you'll get in touch. Um, and please do send them through because um, look, we've got plenty of topics here that we want to cover, but if there's anything in particular you think that we're missing out on or you'd like uh, any deeper knowledge around any of the particular points that we've spoken about today, uh, get, in, get in contact with the guys because uh, they'll be happy to have a chat with you. You can go to rightpropertygroup.com.au, mm-hmm. learn more about you guys. Yep. Is that how it works? That's yep. right. Yeah, or come to our Facebook page. Yep. Okay. Yeah, and and you, for Right Property Group. So you, you do, a, us, you yeah. do um, uh, regular uh, like information Yeah, sessions. so we, we do an open forum. We've been doing that for the last eight, eight odd years okay. uh, in, uh, in New South Wales on every month. And um, the last one was um, pretty good uh, in the sense that Usually we get about over 100 people there. And the idea is that it's an open forum where we share our knowledge and, and uh, you get to rub sh- shoulders with uh, other investors that are doing the hard yards in terms mm. of investing and not just talking about it. Uh, and then we do a similar thing in Melbourne as well. So drop us a line and, and we'll send you the information. Okay, good. Thanks, Vic. Appreciate it. Steve, nice one, mate. Thank you. Uh, Thank you. Enjoy the chat. Um, yeah, that's that's it for us uh, this time around on the Investing Insights podcast. If you're listening to this on iTunes, go over to smartpropertyinvestment.com.au. You can check out uh, all the other uh, topics that we've covered, uh, which we sort of ran through early on in this podcast. And uh, yeah, we'll be back again uh, next month where we're going to be chatting around um, some uh, key principles on deciding sort of what property you should be buying. So we'll see you then. Bye-bye.